Welcome, everybody, to the True Wealth Radio Show. It's your favorite show at 4 o'clock on Tuesday on KQEN. This is your hostess with the mostest today, Katie Shook. And in studio with me is... Christine Summers. Who is happy to join me today. You, Love again... <laughs> she's a very shy person. I think the radio is a little daunting to her at times. But you get the all-female financial show, as uh, Kyle likes to call it. So, but as you can tell, Christine and I are in studio today. David is not here. He is off gallivanting across the country, but <laughs> hopefully having a really good time. Um, today, what are we going to talk about, Christine? Ooh, we got lots to talk about. Always uh, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Let's see. Uh, I guess I have three <laughs> things here. I'm putting Christine on the spot. She's like, thanks a lot, Katie. <laughs> All right. Um, we are going to talk about what we learned from our parents. This is the parenting financial show today, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So Christine and I are going to talk about it, um, first of all, in what we learned about money from our parents. Yep. And then we're going to talk about different types of accounts for children and why those are important. And then we're going to talk about lessons you can teach your children. Right. So it's the parenting financial show, um, not only, um, I guess, pretty much from our perspective, right, yeah. from both of our perspectives, yeah. but from coming from what we've learned and then also the wisdom that we're trying to impart in our children as well. So kind of a little bit of both. Um, and the reason that Christine and I decided to talk about this today was a we don't have to give you financial advice, so that makes it easy. <laughs> no, but it's something that um, I think is important. I uh, I feel a little bit like the sandwich generation, right? Like, so I'm right in the middle. Luckily, my parents are still super healthy and able to take care of themselves. But um, I will be 40 this year. Yes, I'm not afraid to admit my age. Um, I'll be 40 in December, and um, parents are getting older, right? Mom just celebrated her 65th birthday, which we announced on the air. She gave me permission. Mm -hmm. um, but our parents are getting older, right? And uh, we're just talking about money and how we invest our money, how we're teaching our children about money. Um, and I, money touches our lives in more ways than one, right? Like it's a big part of our life. Yep. And so we, uh, we thought it was an important topic and decided to share a little bit with you. So that's what we are going to do today. So starting off with what we learned about money from our parents. And I'm, I'm going to say parents, but it can be any adult, right? Any, yeah. any adult influence in our life. And, and Christine, if there's someone else that's not your mom or dad that taught you about money, mm -hmm. um, you know, please feel free to share that too. Um, so um, when we were talking about this subject, um, what came to mind when you mentioned um, learning about money from your parents? Oh, I guess the first thing would be to actually make money. So, <laughs> okay. Can you be a little more specific there, Christine? <laughs> My parents always told me that I need to have some sort of a job okay. to support myself. So they, they raised me to be independent and, you know, not need any assistance from anybody. So the first and thing was to was it something that they told you or was it something they modeled for you or was it both? Probably both. My mother told me quite often, I'm raising you to be independent. <laughs> <laughs> Go green. All right. Yep. 
Very cool. And it's um, so that was something independence was something that was very important to them. Right. They wanted to make sure that you could stand on your own two feet financially. Yep. Now you have a sister. Yep. Did they teach the same thing to your sister? Yeah, I think she learned a little bit better than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Did she learn better or was she listening better? (laughs) Listening better. (laughs) And and the reason I kind of tease a little bit, Christina's a sister. Um, Now, are you the oldest or the youngest? Oldest. Okay, and just the two of you? Yep. Okay. So, by the way, I know these answers, but you may not know these answers, which is why I'm telling you these things. So, I have a younger brother, and uh, his name is Garrett, and he lives in Southern California, where I'm from. And my brother and I learned some of the same lessons, and then some lessons we didn't learn very well. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things, uh, one of the lessons I learned from my parents is um, kind of like yours, how to be independent, right? Mm -hmm. But how to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my mom reading books, right? Books about how to make money, passive income. Um, I remember talking to her about a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you ever read that book? Oh, I think we have that on our nightstand. It's a really great book. It's by Robert Kiyosaki. And he talks about, and the reason it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad is it's the difference between what he learned from his biological father, which he considers his poor dad, who had a job, right? He wasn't poor, but had a job, worked for the government. Um, This is all taking place in Hawaii. And his rich dad, who was a friend's father, who was an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. and kind of taught him to think about money differently, Mm -hmm. right? And by the way, if you haven't read that book, I'd highly recommend it. Um, I read it in my 20s. And um, really easy read. There's a couple of them, Cashflow Quadrant, if you want to read on further. But um, great books about working for your money versus passive income. Now, passive income is when you're making money and you don't have to get up to go to work for it, right? So passive income um, would include investment accounts, right? Earning an income off your investment accounts, um, which is what we help you do Mm -hmm. at Little John Financial Services, or even having passive income from rental property, right? Something where people, you're earning money, you've put your money to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Passive income can also be owning a business, right? Having employees show up and earning money for you. So it was ways to capitalize on your money. Um, And I remember reading that book and it made a profound difference in my life. I really started to try to think more like an entrepreneur, right? I wanted to be in the quadrants of passive income versus active income. And how, how would I take my active income, my paycheck, and turn it into a passive income where I could stay home and play, right? And not have to worry about going to work all the time. Um, And those lessons are in play right now as we speak. Um, And and so I just wanna let you know, um, and the reason I'm sharing this is my mom read the book, right? And and at this point, I think I was about uh, 17, 18, somewhere in there, right? Like kind of right in between high school and college. And I think a high schooler could read it. And if if they're working, they'll understand it. Right. Because they've gone yeah. to work for somebody. If they're if they haven't had a job yet, I don't know that it would make as much sense to them, but um, definitely worth the read. Um, and so I remember having that entrepreneurial spirit from my mom. So my brother and I have always joked around that we know how to make money. Making money is not the hard part. Right. And a lot of people out there are great at making money. What's the hard part? Keeping it. Keeping it. Holding <laughs> on to it. Right. Like I can make money, but if I don't hold on to it, then I'm not really moving any further. Right. I'm not exactly. moving the needle. So holding on to it, holding on to it, something that's important. Now, I will tell you growing up, my dad was the saver. He was the one that always had the checkbook balanced. He was the one that knew exactly where every penny was. Right. Like I 
remember him sitting at his desk, paying his bills, writing everything down in his check register. Um, and so learning about budgets and figuring out how to balance things, right? And you only have X amount coming in versus X amount going out. Mm -hmm. That was an important lesson that I half learned <laughs> when I was younger, right? Because when you don't have a paycheck that you're putting towards expenses, then it's a little trickier. Um, and I think you kind of learn those lessons early adulthood, or mm -hmm. at least hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully you learn those lessons early yeah. adulthood. You know, some of you into your 30s or 40s maybe, but um, but those are things that are very important, right? Learning how to be on a budget. I know I talk about budgets all the time. I feel like it's a bad word, right? It's, it's the other cuspy word, right? Budget, 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 budget. But budgets are so important because they're freeing. They give you a chance to figure out how much money you have. And so the reason we're sharing this knowledge with you today, you listeners out there, you guys out there, guys and gals, is information that's shared with your children is super important, right? But information that is displayed for your children. Yeah. Not only telling them, but showing them. Right. And, and explaining why it's important. And don't ever think concepts are over their head, right? Like I remember uh, my mom sold real estate my uh, pretty much almost my whole entire life. Um, she got into the real estate gig when she was pregnant with me. She likes to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I actually sold real estate alongside with her for many years. And um, so talking to me about passive income, rental properties, my grandfather owned rent rental properties. I mean, I remember being a little girl and getting dragged along with grandpa for the day, right? And I probably made more of a mess than helped him. But I remember yeah. being on job sites and helping. And um, and Christine, your family has rental properties, too, as well, don't they? Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. And so did you ever partake in helping with oh, yeah. any of those? Oh, yeah. I'd be the cleaner. They'd uh, <laughs> call me, and I'd come in and help them scrub floors and paint and do all sorts of different things. So what lessons do you feel you learned from that experience? Probably to work hard and not be afraid of getting your hands dirty. Okay. And kind of the whatever it takes to get the job done yeah. attitude. Yeah. Were you compensated for helping? Um, hugs and kisses. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever else they can do for me. They How me old were you when you were helping? Let's change that subject. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I remember helping in the upholstery shop when I was little, picking up staples um and like cleaning under the tables and stuff like that but and then you know getting older uh, stripping the chairs down you know get the fabric off and then uh i think i was compensated for that um so helping out a little bit around the house and helping out with family businesses right family so businesses, you, you said yep. upholstery shop i mean it mm -hmm. wasn't um your dad is self-employed yep right and so is your mom yep Right. So again, Christine grew up around entrepreneurs as well. So yep. they modeled for you the harder you work, the more money you can potentially make. Mm -hmm. Right now, there are so many hours in the day. And I will tell you, Corrine, um, I know her personally because she is a long arm quilter. She's mm -hmm. um, also a fabric designer and stuff. And it's been a few years since I've actually had time to do a quilt, but she's done uh, some of my quilts personally. And she is in high demand. Your mama. <laughs> yeah, she's got a long list of people wanting her to do their quilting for her. So David and I have talked on the show about um, doing your job well, right? And being in high demand. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you're in high demand is you get to charge a little more for your product, <laughs> right? Yeah. And 
Um, and so I'm just giving a shout out to Corrine because um, she does amazing quilting. In fact, she's a, a ribbon winner, an award winner, mm-hmm. right? She's won many ribbons in contests and fairs and things like that. And she's an award winner. Um, but she's in high demand for that mm-hmm. reason, right? She does a fabulous job. So if you do a job well, not only are your children paying attention to what you're doing, but they're going to model that behavior and they're going to understand a level of excellence and things that I, that is a lesson I think that will touch all of their life, like not just work, right? And it's not just about a paycheck, but it's about work ethic as well, Mm -hmm. right? Like you've mentioned kind of that you've learned a good work ethic from your parents. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've learned a good work ethic from my parents as well, right? Having that entrepreneurial spirit, knowing that you just have to roll up your sleeves and get in there and you kind of keep working until the job's done. Mm -hmm. So really good lessons that we've learned from our parents. Did they ever talk to you about budgeting? Mm, I don't remember budget ever coming up, but I remember them saying, you know, this money is covering this, which is budget lingo. Um, Just making sure you have your bills covered. When did you figure out kind of the balance between the money you earned and what you had to buy? Oh, gosh. Like, how old was I? Well, Ooh. yeah, like roughly. I mean, were you in high school? Were you in college, 20s? I don't I can't know. say 30s. You're barely 30, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it was early on because my parents started making me buy things. my The things that I needed to survive in the house. Not just, you know, not food, but, you know, I had to Toiletries. buy shampoo, toiletries. Yeah, um, clothes, gas, anything like that. So uh, in my in high school when you had to buy your own clothes and you had to earn money to buy them how did that change how you spent your money on clothes did you just go down to like the normal rue 21 and go buy an outfit i really liked clothes so i spent all my money on clothes but i mean did you go pay full retail for them or did you look for sales ross definitely i would live at ross and goodwill Got it. And so she mentioned something too, and goodwill, right? Oh, so, yeah. goodwill. so you weren't afraid to do secondhand just oh, because no. it fit better in your budget and you knew you can get more bang for your buck. Yeah, exactly. See? So these are lessons too that even though you don't think they're sinking in, folks, they are. Your kids are paying attention. So, and you have more influence than you think you do, mm-hmm. right? And by the way, sometimes it's a negative influence. Like there have been people that we've spoken to that said, oh, you know, my parents spend all their money. And so now these people are ultra conservative, right? They want to save everything. So, you know, your kids are watching. But anyway, um, lessons from our parents. I think lessons from our parents are something that's very important. And I know that that colors how Christine and I are going to parent our children. Correct. Right? And coming up um, on the next section of our show... We're going to talk about types of accounts you can open for your child to help them learn how to save money. So you're listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back. I I feel like channeling Matthew McConaughey, right? All right, all right, all right. We're back to the True Wealth Radio Show. You have the all-female financial show today, Erin Roseberg. You have Christine Summers and your host, Katie Shook. Sitting here, we are talking about lessons we learned from our parents and teaching our kids about money. Right? Correct. Somewhere kind of in the middle. So in this segment, we are going to talk about types of accounts you can open for your kid. Yes. yes. So 
parents come to us and they say, okay, we want to help our kids start saving money or we want to save money for our children. What type of account can we open? What is one of the first questions that David or Justin would ask? Oh, gosh. Uh, how old is your child? <laughs> how old are your kids, right? What are you saving for? Yep. So there's lots of different questions to unpack there. There is not a one-size-fits-all type of account out there, right? Correct. There's lots of them. So the types of accounts we're going to talk about, types of accounts for your kids today, is now there's an Atma and an Ugma. Right, and that just sounds like you got dirt on your boots, like ugh, ma. Okay, mm -hmm. but that's not what happened. So there's an utma, a uniform transfer to minor act, and an ugma, a uniform gift to minors act. What is the primary difference between the two, Christine? Oh, the ages the that the kids can receive the funds out of the account. Now. I'm going to correct you a little bit there. They can receive the money at any time if the custodian wills it. Okay, yes. But that is the age that they have to be in order for it to legally become theirs. Yes. So what is the age for an UGMA? 18 in Oregon. And with an UGMA? I believe 21 to 25. You can go up to 25. 21 to 25. Okay, so what this means folks out there listening, is you can walk into a financial firm and say, I want to open an account for my kid, and I don't want the child to be able to have access to the money until they either turn 18 or turn 21. Scenarios that these accounts would fit, right? So I'm gonna save money for my kid for college, mm -hmm. and when they turn 18, they're gonna go off to school, and I want them to be able to have it to spend on college tuition. That would be an UGMA, right? Mm -hmm. So they get the money at 18. now. If your kid is 17 and going off to school, you as the custodian can still write a check from it and pay for their college. Yep. It's not that you can't ever touch it. Um, 21, some people will walk in and say, you know, I think if they're a little older, they might be a little wiser yes. with their money. Yep. So I'm gonna wait and see what they do with their life. And if they make it through college and have some student loans or need help paying off college, then I'll access the money and we'll go ahead and give it to them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's for, you know, a first time home purchase after they get out of college, something kind of like that. Yep. Then they would use an atma and they'd say, okay, you know, uh, 21. Sounds good. So with an atma or an ugma, right, this is a, a joint account, a custodial account. There yep. has to be an adult who is the custodian for the money. Now, a lot of times it's a parent or a grandparent. It could be an aunt, and uncle, friend. It could be anybody that you trust with money, right? But mm -hmm. in essence, the money is for the child, for the benefit of the child, right? It is, you're giving the money to the child, but because the child is not 18, they can't legally do transactions. Yep. So you need a guardian or a custodian to make the transactions for them, right? So whether Correct. it's putting money in, taking money out, choosing the investments, things like that, right? Now, a lot of times when I think of UGMA or UTMA, as I always think of kind of like a teenage child, but I mean, the child could be, as long as they're born <laughs> yeah, and have exactly. a social security number. Social security number, yeah. Right, like, so yeah, you can't be pregnant and open an UTMA, it doesn't work that <laughs> way, right? The kid actually needs to be born and have a social security number because they need to know who they're attaching it to. But the money is for the benefit of the child. And again, the custodian can use it and take, you know, put money in and take money out 
as the child needs it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of up to the custodian to deem the needs. But those are the primary things. So a lot of times, again, it's money used to save for college or a first time home purchase or, you know, young life. Right. Like, I just want to save for your future and let's see what the future holds. Um, now, there can be Upman Ugma college accounts. Yeah. They're called something else. <laughs> they used to have one called the Coverdale. They don't really do the Coverdale savings accounts anymore. But um, so if you've ever heard the term 529 plans thrown around, a 529 plan is the IRS code section or was it page 529, I think is what it is, mm-hmm. right? We're not very creative with names here in the financial world. I'm sorry, guys. We're just going based on the tax code. So 529 is what allows you to open, in essence, an IRA for college. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the catch on that is as long as you take it out for qualified college expenses, it comes out tax-free. Now, what is a qualified college expense, you ask? It's a good question. Um, Is it tuition only, Christine? No. So what would be an example that you can think of of a qualified college expense? Books. Books. So I look at qualified expenses as anything that the college can charge you for, mm-hmm. right? So if you live on campus in, co- or it doesn't even have to be on campus, but if you live in college housing, right, provided through the school, mm-hmm. that is a qualified education expense. Yep. If you decide to rent an apartment across the street from the school, is that qualified? No. No. So, because the college didn't charge you for it, you signed a lease on your own. And how does the government know whether you were in school or not it's like exactly. so they, i mean they have no way of telling but if it's charged through the college then it makes it pretty easy right yep. like well it's a line item on their statement so we know we can pay for it um now we are i know we're talking about college trade schools count too mm-hmm. it does not have to be a university per se it can be a trade school so um but those are 529 plans mm-hmm. now the interesting thing about 529 plans is does it have to be a college or a trade school it does not. It does not. It can actually be for private school for your children, for elementary school, junior high or high school. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as there is a tuition charge, yeah. right? So um, my children go to Geneva Academy. That's not a secret to anybody. <laughs> I have a massive sticker across my car, so I got to make sure that I drive okay because <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want anybody calling the school. But um, so because it is a private school and because I pay tuition, um, I can actually put money in a 529 plan and use that to save for my kids' private school. Mm-hmm. So you can, right? And I know people that do. So 529 plans are stuff that we use for school expenses mm-hmm. right now yep. can and i know we just covered it but can we use an utma or ugma for school expenses yes yes you can also have an utma or ugma as a college plan as a 529 plan so you can establish it that way um or you what you do with a college plan is again you establish it in the name of either the parent or the grandparent right somebody has to be the account holder that is old enough to sign so 18 and over mm-hmm. and then you deem a beneficiary that is the person who is expected to receive the funds. Yep. So if I were to open a 529 plan for Sophia, which she has one, my daughter, um, I would be the account owner and my daughter would be the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. 
So the cool thing about 529 plans, though, is I can use it if I wanted to go back to school. I can name myself as a beneficiary. I can name my husband as a beneficiary. Um, if Let's say Sophia grows up and I've been saving money this whole entire time and she gets a full ride to college and she doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. I can actually transfer it to her children. Yep. I can just leave the 529 account there, let it roll, keep acquiring uh, interest and keep compounding and save it for that. So there's a lot of options in the 529. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Now... Can I use a 529 plan to buy my first home? Ooh, no. (laughs) It's a trick question. I'm testing Christine a little Mm -hmm. bit on her knowledge, and I'm making her do her homework. Technically, I can, but I'm going to pay a penalty. So if the money is in the account, right, and let's use uh, my darling Sophia again as an example. So I've saved money for Sophia to go to college. She gets a full ride, doesn't need the money for college, graduates college and says, hey, mom, I want to buy my first home. Can I borrow 10 grand for the down payment? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can go, well, you can. Now I can use the money. But remember, it's an education IRA, right? It's something special set up through the state. So state of Oregon does them. And I can access the money, but I pay a 10% penalty to do so. And it becomes taxable as income. Oh, yes. So it's okay. not that I can't access the money or use it for that. It's that I can't use it tax-free for that. So it was a little bit of a trick question to Christine. So in all fairness, you know, she answered it almost correctly. Almost. <laughs> really close. Really, really close. Well, we have a few more types of accounts to talk about and uh, to tell you kind of the differences between them if you were thinking about opening a an account for your child to help them to start to save money. And we want to make sure that you know all the differences between those. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about a Roth IRA and specifically a minor Roth IRA. There you go. All right. Thank you for listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show with the all-female financial show. You have Katie Shook and... Christine Summers. We have taken over the airways today. David is not in studio. That's what he gets for leaving us. You get the all-female financial show. Today we are talking about lessons to teach your children about money and what we've learned from our parents. And so in the last section, we were talking about the difference between an UPMA and UGMA. Very fun little acronyms. Mm -hmm. Um, A 529 plan. And we are going to talk about a custodial IRA or a minor IRA and specifically a minor Roth IRA. Yep. All right. So, Christine, why is it a good idea to have an IRA? Uh, I assume <laughs> that you would eventually want to retire. <laughs> True. Okay. Um, what is one of the things you need to open an IRA? Money. Well, money usually helps. How about a paycheck? So the last two types of accounts we've talked about, we've talked about a 529 plan, and then I consider UPMA and UGMA's kind of in the same group. It's just the age difference. Um, Both of those, as a parent, you can put your own money in there and save it for the benefit of your child. Yep. With a Roth IRA, the difference is, sorry, hold on. (coughs) I apologize for that. The difference is the child actually has to have earned income okay so earned income now this is income you are reporting to the irs right so and i'd like to say like a paycheck now is there an age minimum on opening a roth ira 
a minimum? No, I don't think so. No. If you have a baby and they are in a commercial and they get paid $1,000 to do the commercial, your baby can open a minor Roth IRA. Yep. It <laughs> earned a paycheck, right? They went to work. Yep. They earned the paycheck. So there is not an age minimum. Now, just like the 529 plans, there needs to be a, an adult, right? A custodian, mm -hmm. a parental figure of some sort. Um, doesn't have to be a parent, but some adult that is the... Um, custodian over the account. They're the ones that have to help open the account because again, child is not 18. They cannot sign legal documents, right? So mm -hmm. somebody has to come in, give the child's information. So you need to know at least the child's date of birth, social security number, things like that, right? So you should be close enough to the child to at least get that information if you are not the parent, right? Yeah. But you could be the grandparent or something like that. Um, and they can open a Roth IRA. Now, the cool things about a Roth IRA, so we're, we're kind of telling you the differences between all the accounts and that way um, you can start to think about if you're going to open an account for your kid, what kind of account you want. Yep. With a Roth IRA, it is money that goes in after tax. Yes. Pay so taxes. you pay your taxes, right? You actually have to file a tax return mm -hmm. for the child. You pay the taxes and then the money goes in. So it is after tax money. So the cool thing is the growth is then what? Tax free. Tax free. We love that term, tax free, right? If you listen to the station often, which we know you do because you are devoted listeners, <laughs> you've heard probably Dave Ramsey once or twice, and he talks about a Roth IRA, right? I feel like it's like almost like a duck. Roth, 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 Roth. Mm -hmm. Although that doesn't really sound like a duck, but repeated constantly. So, Roth IRA, um, cool things about a Roth IRA. So, first of all, um, it is an IRA, so it's for retirement purposes, yep. but you can access the money for college mm -hmm. and you can access it tax free. Correct. So one of the cool things about the Roth IRA, so is that you can access money for college or for, again, qualified educational expenses mm -hmm. and you can access the money tax free. The other cool thing about a Roth IRA is if you were going to buy what, Christine? Your first home. Your first home. Now, I was reading up on the rules. It doesn't even have to be your first home. It could be like your parents' first home. It could be a first home for a brother. Oh. <laughs> so it literally doesn't have to be you per se, but it has to be a first-time home purchase. Now, hmm. there are rules and restrictions around all of these things, right? We're just kind of generally skimming over the top of it. So I want to make sure before you open up any type of account that you A, consult a financial pro. And if you don't have one, you call our office. Yep. Little John Financial Services. What's the phone number, Christine? 541-375-0898. Thank you for that. All right. So again, if you're trying to listen about all these different types of accounts and you're going, ugh, which kind of account should I open? Let's talk about your situation and where you're at and what the plan is and also how old the kid is, how mm -hmm. old the minor is, because I think all of those things take into account of what we're doing with the money. Yep. But the biggest difference between the Atma Agma and the 529 and the minor Roth IRA is an earned income. Anytime you have an IRA, an individual retirement account, you need to have an earned income, right? A paycheck. Mm -hmm. So this is where it gets a little tricky right people go well can i put my birthday money in there no birthday money is not an earned paycheck right like you need to go to work for somebody now if you work on the family farm does that count uh only if you file your taxes <laughs> so it counts right if, if it's a family business and you earn money you can do it now 
Can you put all of your paycheck in it? Uh, yeah. Up to? Up to the limit. Which is? Uh, $6,000. I'm just testing her now. They keep increasing it. Over the last two years, they've increased it $500 a year. So originally in 2017, it was $5,000. In 2018, it was $5,500. And now it's $6,000. So you can put up to $6,000 a year into a Roth IRA. And the money grows tax-free. Right? Which is awesome. So people are going, why wouldn't I want to do that? Well, it all depends on the situation. Now, does your kid have to earn money every year? No. No. Is there a minimum to open one? No. Maybe. (laughs) That depends on who you choose to work with. That's true. Every agency, custodian, financial advisor has their minimum threshold, right? Some you don't have to, sometimes it's as little as 25 bucks and they're good to go. Sometimes it's 500, sometimes it's 5,000. So you need to figure out like who you want to work with, where you want to go and what the minimum is. So, but you know, your kids can save money and up my rugmas first. And you know, if they want to turn around and open an IRA, as long as they have earned income, they can do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of different options. Now, they can open a minor traditional IRA as well. They can. They can. Hmm. Um, now, a traditional IRA means that you've put the money in pre-tax. Yes. So you pay taxes on the money when it comes out right. of the account. Right. But that means all the growth is in taxable. Yeah. So if you are an avid Dave Ramsey follower, he would say, go for the Roth. Mm -hmm. Because who wouldn't want all the growth to be tax-free? Especially if you're looking at 40, 50 years worth of growth time horizon, right? Like that could be a lot of growth. And by the way, parents out there listening, $500 or $1,000 is not little money to some children, right? That's a big money. Like they may have worked hard all year long to Mm -hmm. save that. So don't discount that kind of money or think that an advisor wouldn't take you because it's a smaller amount. Um, I know in our office, we believe in education. Um, You know, it's one of our pillars that we stand stand on education, educate, plan and invest. Mm -hmm. Um, And we like to educate children. We feel like if we can help you educate your children, if they're old enough, right, to sit still and listen, but old enough to engage. And I would say engagement is probably mm, fifth, sixth grade, maybe on a, on a small level, a little bit more junior high, yeah. definitely more engaged in high school. Yep. But teaching kids about money is something that's really important. And if you feel like your children wouldn't listen to you about money, we're happy to do the education for you. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the it's the parental penalty, right? Like where your kid won't listen to you, but they'll totally listen to their mom's friend or something. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? Oh yeah. Where your kid comes home and they're like, mom, so-and-so's mom told me this. And you're like, I just told you that for the last five days. <laughs> My husband says that to me a lot too. I told you that. I'm like, but somebody else said it, so now it's true. <laughs> so now it's credible. Oh, <laughs> poor Brandon. Love you, Brandon. Poor guy. <laughs> you know, it, it, the struggle is real, and I bet there are a lot of relationships out there <laughs> that are just nodding their head. Yep, <laughs> I know what you mean. So, but um, yeah, there's a lot of different types of accounts out there, and uh, a lot of choices. And by the way, some kids have a 529 plan and a minor Roth IRA. Right. It's not an either or. 
Um, it can be both. And certain things may be started by different times for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do your research. Definitely look at options. So options are sometimes taken into consideration on what you can invest in. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you go through the five, if you decide to do a 529 plan through the state of Oregon, um, then you are going to be limited to what the state of Oregon wants to offer as far as options go. Yep. And Christine has helped facilitate paperwork for 529 plans, and so have I. And there is a select amount of options as far as investments. A lot of them are age-based, right? So yeah. they get more conservative as your child gets closer to um, 18, closer to graduation date, right? Closer to college. Um, Utmas and Ugmas. Again, you can open an UTMA or UGMA in a 529 plan, but UTMAs and UGMAs, along with minor Roth IRAs, are usually opened at a custodian, mm-hmm. right? So who's going to hold your money and give you statements every month? Um, and those generally can have a higher selection of options to pick yeah. from. Now, Definitely. if you are a DIYer and doing it yourself and signing up somewhere online, less options may be more appealing because sometimes I think people get a little paralyzed worrying about picking right it's like they went through all the paperwork they got the account open and now they're going what do i pick exactly and the hardest part is going how aggressive how conservative you know what do i do and this is where investment advice comes in handy right talking to a financial pro kind of figuring out where where should you be on the spectrum and then some of it is you personally Right. How are you as an investor? Are you a conservative investor or an aggressive investor or moderate? And uh, where do you think what what kind of risk are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are your plans? It pays to so. talk to a financial pro. It does. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I know I mentioned David and, and Justin and David, obviously, you guys love and listen to all the time because you're listening to the True Wealth Radio Show right now. Um, Justin is another advisor in our office who will be on air with me next week. Folks, you get to meet the notorious Justin B. <laughs> we also have a, another branch up in Salem as well. So we have Wes Holt holding it down up in the northern end of the state. Um, but talking to a financial pro, there's a lot of value in that, right? And sometimes, if nothing else, just have somebody double check your homework. Right. It's not to say that you're not doing it wrong, but so I, I know for me personally, when it's uncharted territory that I'm not used to, I like to ask somebody for help. Right. And just say, hey, you know, I think I got it right. But can you can you look at this and just make sure I'm not doing anything to screw it up unintentionally? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if you ever feel that way, but I know I do. <laughs> All right, folks, I think we are running up against the clock. It's time for us to take our last break. This is Katie Shook. And Christine Summers. And you are listening to the True Wealth Radio Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. You have the all-female financial show with Katie Shook and... Christine Summers. We have taken over the radio today. I know David's listening because he's texting me, but <laughs> but we got the comms. Anyways, uh, we've been talking about life lessons today that we've learned from our parents and wisdom we want to impart on our children and opening investment accounts or investing in your children, yep. right? So yep. um, I, Christine and I are kind of dab smack in the middle. Is that there? Did I say that right? Dab smack? Smack dab? Smack dab. Smack dab. There you go. Almost. Yeah. You know what it is? I'm distracted by the flamingos. <laughs> So I just want to tell you, sitting in studio today, for whatever reason, this studio has been flocked, meaning there are pink flamingos everywhere. 
everywhere. Everywhere. So I've posted pictures on our Facebook page at Little John Financial Services <laughs> to show you how bad it is. I mean, there is like a inflatable flamingo in the corner that's probably about two to three feet high. Like it's it's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous in here with the pink flamingos, but it's kind of funny. But I'm totally distracted by the pink flamingos. All right, we have been talking about wisdom to impart on your children. So ways to talk to your kids about money. And Christine and I both have like a top 10 list and we're gonna kind of jam through these really quick. So Christine, if you have little ones, right? So preschoolers, kindergartners, little school age, what are some ways that you can teach your kids about money? Uh, ways to teach your kids about money. So use clear jars to save. And I actually do this with my, I did this and still do with my kids. We have three separate jars. They're all clear. One says give, one says save, and one says spend. So whenever they earn money, some money, each, uh, each jar gets a little bit of money. So the trick on this though, is how you pay them. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're teaching them to save 10% and give 10%, yep. and you pay them a dollar, a dollar does not break into three jars. <laughs> exactly. So you need to pay them in dimes. <laughs> right? Like, this has been my downfall. I'm like, oh, I'll pay you a dollar for it. And then I give them a dollar bill. And they're like, oh, which jar do I put it in? And I'm like, crud, I paid them in the wrong currency. So make sure if you're going to teach them yep. to break it down into three jars that you actually pay them in a method that they can break down. <laughs> and my little one likes money. She thinks the more coins that she has, the more money she has. <laughs> yeah. So little kids don't understand currency value, mm -hmm. right? Like if you give them four quarters, they think they earned way more than one dollar bill. Yep. She's starting to learn, but it's still funny. There you go. Um, and set an example again, right? Like if you're saving, do a clear jar for you and put money in the clear jar for you yep. and help save. Um, a great way to help save also is if there's a family trip coming up or something fun you guys want to do together. Mm -hmm. um, putting money in a clear jar and pulling together teaches your children to pull together, right? And to learn to, to pull their resources. Yep. Um, what's another way they can do them? Uh, to how to teach your little kids. Give them commissions instead of just an allowance. So make them do their chores, uh, make them earn the money. So you have to do your dishes and then you get this amount of money for doing your dishes. Right, so, um, and that's a great thing. But now that's a little harder with little, little kids, right? Like it may be yes. something like, well, if you, you know, mommy folded the laundry. So if you put your stack of clothes away, then I'll give you a quarter. Something where they're kind of assisting you in the chore yep. versus when they're a little bit older, like school age, like you said, okay, if you unload the dishwasher, we'll pay you 50 cents. Yep. And if you load the dishwasher, we'll pay you 50 cents, mm -hmm. right? Um, there can also be a bonus right? And I think parents forget about this. So if you feel like the parent that's nagging your child to do it, even if you're paying them, sometimes offering a bonus, right? So if you come home from school and unload the dishwasher without me asking, I'll give you an extra quarter. <laughs> yeah, I need to use that one. <laughs> right? So bonus your children for good behavior. Yep. Right? Because if we are good employees, right? If we do an exceptional job and we go up and beyond the call of duty, mm -hmm. um, and I say we, I'm using the royal we here, right? Like I have a mouse in my pocket. Wee wee. Um, if you do a good job at work, your boss will notice. And I know people that have been bonused or commissioned for doing a job well done because they've done an exceptional job, mm -hmm. right? So encouraging really positive behavior versus, oh, I got to do it, mm -hmm. right? Now, there can also be a penalty as well. So if you incentivize with bonuses, you can incentivize with penalties, yep. right? So if you have the 50 cents to unload the dishwasher, you can say, okay, if mom has to tell you more than twice, 
I'm taking away a quarter. And if I have mm-hmm. to tell you more than three times, you get to do the job anyway and I don't get to pay you. Yeah. So you can <laughs> you can use the carrot or the stick. Sometimes both are a nice option. <laughs> but um, yeah, but, but not just giving an allowance, not just saying, oh, you're going to get $5 a week just for breathing because... I don't get paid just for breathing, right? I don't know that that's a solid life lesson. I think we need to teach our children work ethic, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of what you and I were referring to, right? When we were growing up, we had chores. I had to unload the dishwasher and load the dishwasher and keep my room clean and different things like that. And I got paid based on the jobs I did, Yep. right? So, and learning to save that money. All right, for school-age children, show opportunity cost, right? What is something they want that costs money? Now, I remember doing this, and I actually had a first grader, right? And so we did the same thing. We had an incentive jar, and we said, okay, if you do these behaviors, you know, you'll get paid X amount. And she said, oh, I really want, you know, these fuzzy slippers. I said, okay, the fuzzy slippers are $5. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay. And she goes, well, do I have enough money? And she only had $2 at the time. And I said, no, you have to have five of these. You have to have $5 bills in order to get this. And she goes, okay. So she came home and every day she worked to try to earn those extra $3. And when she had the $5, we went and bought the fuzzy slippers. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple lessons here. A, she learned to budget, right? So she didn't go spend her money on candy or something. And there were times when she's like, I have money, I can buy candy. And I said, well, if you buy the candy, then you're not saving for your slippers. So yep. they, they have to learn trade-off costs, but also delayed gratification. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, guys, we're out of time today. We've had a lot of fun talking with you on the True Wealth Radio Show. This is your host, Katie Shook, and with me, Christine Summers. Please tune in next week. If you need any help with your financial services, call our office, 541-375-0898.